0: Welcome everyone to the Friends That Carry On podcast, where we dive deeper into our trips, unpack tips, and everything in between. Now sit back, relax, and get ready to go on a trip with your favorite group of friends.
1: Hello and welcome to the Friends That Carry On podcast. Uh, We are a group of friends who like to travel the world and hopefully inspire others to do so while creating FOMO one trip at a time. Uh, especially if we can create it within our friends. Mm-hmm. Today, uh, we have uh, friends joining the podcast. We have myself, Jim Scott, uh, Brian Romine, hey, everybody. and Tony Price. And we have the uh, special uh, today. We have a guest, Tom Carnes, with Lamakia Travel from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Welcome, Tom.
2: Thank you. Kenosha, Wisconsin's the hub of the travel universe.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. That's what we've heard. Just <laughs> through was- the
2: second time.
1: Yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that's where we go when we're thinking travels Kenosha. There you go. Hey, I think everybody might after today. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, obviously, uh, in in today's times, people aren't able to travel like they like would normally do, but uh, I think the itch is getting out there, so uh, we went to talk with Tom on what's going on out there what he's seeing, and what trips uh, are that people can go on at, at right now or in the very near future. But before that, I'd like to get a little background uh, from Tom, and, and his family has a deep history in, in travel, uh, going back over 100 years when his, either his grandfather or great-grandfather was helping immigrants get to America from Italy. Tom, do you want to expand on, on your family history and travel and, and so forth?
2: Sure. It's, uh, it's a pretty impressive one, and as the pressure of making sure I don't screw it up every year is <laughs> a lot of pressure on me. I will talk about all accomplishments my previous uh, relatives have had here. <laughs> um, my great, my, uh, my grandfather started what is known as La Macchia Travel in 1931 upon his graduation from Marquette University. Uh, but our history and travel goal predates that. So before the turn of the 19—before the 1900s, my great-grandfather, who was an Italian immigrant from Casenza, Italy— uh, oh, had a grocery store, and he was doing steamship travel, bringing Italian um, citizens over to the U.S. And his son, uh, upon graduation, opened a travel agency and kind of made it official. So we've basically been handling travel again. Steamship travel is where it started before the 1900s. But yes, we've been we've been doing this for about 130 years, and that, that kind of goes back to my initial comment. No pressure on me not to screw this up, huh?
1: <laughs> right. Well right. but
2: with again the history of our travel agency is uh, my wife and I are the third generation owners of the agency fourth generation in the business and uh pretty much our family has been instilled in the travel industry for years um, an uncle of mine Bill Lamachia started a small company people might have heard of called the Mark Travel Corporation otherwise known Funjet Vacation United Vacations Southwest Vacations uh he, he started the, the product Vax, vacation access, probably the most popular travel agent booking tool there. Um, other uncles, cousins, and friends have been in the industry as well. So we, and, and my own daughters, I have a daughter that works for Hard Rock and I have another daughter who works for Delta Vacations. So you could honestly say that uh, the travel does flow in our blood.
1: Oh, it sounds like it. Wow. sounds like yeah. it. Uh, hey, out of curiosity, you're uh, Grandfather, great grandfather Eugenio, who was helping the immigrants from uh, on the steamships. Now you're in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I'm not really thinking of, of steamships coming into port there. So how, how exactly did that work?
2: You know, it's that's a great question. And in the you know 1930s and 40s, well, probably more of the 40s and 50s um, when they were bringing a lot of the, the Italians over, they would well, yeah, the steamship getting them to the East Coast. And then we would rail them into Chicago. So my grandfather, my great-grandfather would do rail tickets from the East Coast into Chicago. Uh, but there's some great stories of my uncles that, you know, in the 50s and 60s, where they would actually had been known to drive to New York to pick up some of the Italian relatives that would be coming in um, from New York and drive them back to Kenosha. And uh, just a lot of crazy stories of, you know, people couldn't afford to pay, so they'd pay in wine and soup sada and chickens and whatever they could do. So it, there's a lot of great stories of my grandfather uh, bar- bartering and you know negotiating, and uh, on the end of it, somebody would be happily arriving at Ellis Island and eventually settling here in southeastern Wisconsin.
1: Wow. Is that where the term railroad came from? <laughs> you
0: know what? It's very <laughs> well put <could've>. up. <laughs> well, it's funny. You know, things kind of come full circle. I have a guest that come and still pay with wine.
2: <laughs> well, well they, they, you know what? That's, that kind of brings the price down, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. Depends on how much wine
2: <laughs> and how good it is. Right. It's
1: true. Absolutely. Well, that, that's certainly a a, re, a rich and steep tradition in in travel. So uh, you've you've seen it from all all sides there. So with that that background, uh, we're kind of in unprecedented times, um, say for maybe nine eleven. Uh, what are you? Obviously, it's been devastating to the travel industry, but not getting in so much of that, but what what are the trips out there that people or you're recommending people can go on either now or in the near future just to to get out of their house? What what are the places that are, are kind of open for business?
2: You know, I met with my team and we we're talking about, hey, how do we you know how do we get people to get their toe back in the water? And domestically seems to be the 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 number one uh, option and. And now that Vegas is opening up and now that we know when Disney's opening up, I mean, those are the two no brainers. Um, but the people that are looking for the, something different, maybe the people that were doing a trip to Portugal or going to go to Italy or River Cruise are looking for something different. We, we've we been really trying to get a little bit more creative. Um, and when I say a little bit more creative, believe it or not, places like Nashville, places like Napa Valley or Northern California, Seattle, um, a lot of different different i'd say eclectic destinations here in the united states and and it's funny because we're offering these to clients and we're pricing it out we're showing options and you know half of them are always interested great we'll book it let's go the other half are like you know for that amount of money i might wait six months and do something to the caribbean mexico or even europe because um you know a lot of the pricing is good but The lift is not there, so it's not like it's a steal of a deal for when a lot of people are ready to travel. So we're getting a little, uh, a lot of people, and then a lot of people call us back and just say, you know what, we're going to drive. So we're getting a lot of different feedback.
3: So how are you, uh, Tom, kind of finding out the information about which places are open, what sort of restrictions they have? Is that just direct communication with the destinations?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, our agency and the... I have about four agents of the 14 working right now full time. So hopefully we're going to bring the rest back as everything uh, builds up. But, you know, the tourist boards, the tour companies, the operators, the cruise lines, everybody has been so great about sharing the information of when things open um, that, you know, the team here is constantly sharing that information with each other, which means we're leveraging it out and getting it to the clients to let them know, hey, you know what, My, my first point is, I knew we were getting ready to start booking things as soon as Disney was going to list the dates they were going to open. You know what I mean? Once that is announced, people are a little bit more like, okay, Disney, they do their homework. If they're ready to open, I can start thinking about, you know, planning a vacation.
0: Nice. Well, you were talking about the, um, you know, I guess the flights and, and just kind of getting to the locations is one thing. Are you seeing any kind of really good, you know, deals or packages you're putting together for people right now in any of those, oh, lo- those spots?
2: Yeah, there, it, it you know, if you look in the next 60 days, there's some great, great deals. If you look 61 to, to 90 days, there's some okay deals. And then once you get past 90 days, you're getting closer to traditional pricing. So um the diehards, as I like to call them, the diehards who are flipping out about being stuck at home they're going to be able to take advantage of some great deals. Um, the pioneers, which would be that 61 days to 90 day people window that are going to travel. I like to call them the pioneers because they're really going to be the ones to experience what the new world of travel is going to be about. Um, they're, they're just starting to call, you know what I mean? They're just starting to call and feel it out a little bit. Um, but a lot of the 2021 stuff already, you know, we're getting a lot of calls on that. We're getting no commitments yet, but just feeling it out. So, um, I, that's kind of the way I break it down. Those three different categories. So we're just getting into that time frame of people calling and inquiring.
3: Are you noticing that the 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 ones that are in the diehard category, or do they tend to be in the younger generation?
2: Yeah. Hey,
0: yes. hey, 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 hey,
3: hey. I, I think we're pretty damn diehard. I, I don't I don't think you're young at all. I said ten, <laughs> I, I asked the question. Tend to be. I didn't. I didn't ten, say exactly. across the board. <laughs>
2: Oh, yes the answer would be yes with a few exceptions
0: okay i've always been called a few exceptions but hey and lots more hey,
2: is that what they're calling it now?
1: yet not exceptional <laughs> wow where's the love
2: <laughs> that was the love well, yeah that that's actually as, is that's
3: as much love as you get here
0: yeah i mean because we're, we're kind of the same thing we uh, we were literally just before we got on the, on the call with you uh talking about where we're going to go and we had a couple of places on our short list, again, domestically, and, you know, a couple of the places we were talking about, even though the state itself has kind of opened up a little bit, the towns or the cities that we were thinking about, not necessarily as much, so I got an email from Sloppy Joes in Key West that said, hey, we're opening up this weekend, come on down, I'm like, hmm, Key West, maybe, <laughs> so we're kind of on that list, too, I mean, we're we're looking for places to go, and Jim had just asked, hey, well, we're someplace domestically we haven't been that
1: maybe we should go so yeah, nashville might be one i love nashville yeah i haven't been uh, but i hear it's great yeah um so yeah, yeah I mean,
2: those are the kind of again those are you know we sell experiential i mean we're trying experiences that's really what we're trying to put in our clients laps and you know nashville is an authentic place you're gonna you know touristy yes um but fun different it's not Orlando it's not Miami you know it's not LA not New York City and what we are finding is more and more people are trying to stay away from the big cities New York is out Miami is out LA San Fran those you know people are trying to stay away from that um I mentioned earlier San Fran moving but moving up into the Mill Valley Napa area those are kind of some of the recommendations we're making
3: can can you give us a quick uh maybe overview of a, a cool Nashville trip that you have available as far as you know transportation place to stay you know what what would be on the itinerary for that
2: oh there's so many uh, there's so many different hotels down there i, I you know i i the, the packages we've been putting together have been so diverse and again it depends on the budget of the person we're talking to but i mean you're talking three nights in a in a four star like a marriott or a Sheridan hotel um in in nashville and what we do from the travel agency side there's not a lot of pre-booked packages that were you know you can book like a via tour or something like that but a lot of our clients like the flexibility of doing what they want so we give them a list of restaurants and hotels or restaurants and bars that match up to their personality so you know and i I apologize i don't have a list in front of me um, there but um there's so many once you just get on the main strip there it kind of opens up itself you know you go to uh northern california i'm a little bit more familiar with the mill valley area up there you got restaurants in sausalito like bocce which is a pizza joint right on the um right on the harbor there in sausalito um you got the redwoods right there stinson beach and then you know another 30 40 minutes is napa um and there's so much to do in that area and the scenery is beautiful and the, it's just majestic wow
1: nice yeah nice
0: Okay, I'm ready to go again. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere, <laughs> anywhere. is that crazy? Not crazy at all. Yeah. Hey, do you have an in on a driver in Napa Valley that could take us around? <laughs> you
2: know what? We work with a few different companies, I can tell you that, because everybody comes to me and they're like, oh, yeah, we're I'm going to rent a car. I want to do these four tastings. I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow down, man. How about I get you a driver or a private company if you're going to really enjoy? There's um, very few of the people I know. Uh, there's some, but very few of the people I know actually taste the wine and spit it into the spittoon. Yeah.
1: So, you know,
2: they're not in any shape to be driving.
3: Well, it's California. What happened to the self-driving cars? I thought they were ready to go. <laughs> well, speaking of those people he was talking about, I've met them. I don't I don't hang
0: out with them.
2: But... Yeah, it's like I know it, right? A friend of mine had this happen to him. That's like one of those stories. Nobody's ever really known who it is.
3: Right. <laughs> That's when you know it's the person you're actually talking to.
2: Yes, I am asking for a friend. <laughs> right,
3: <laughs> we do that a lot. Oh
1: my goodness, nice. Yeah. Well, um, well, any, anything
3: over anything overseas that's starting to gain some traction. That uh, I mean, you mentioned domestically is kind of the first choice, um, right? Yeah, anything overseas that you are starting to see uh, loosening up. That you are feeling like, okay, this is this is coming up here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to start um, maybe offering this to our clients.
2: Well, the Caribbean, Mexico are definitely opening up. Um, you know, Jamaica just finally announced, I think today or yesterday, that they're no longer requiring the 14-day quarantine if you arrive into their country. You had to be quarantined for 14 days, so now they're they're dropping that. We know that you can get the Jamaicans start vacationing. Mexico has got open. You know, is open and receiving. Um, I think starting after like June 8th or whatnot. And again, all those hotels, all those big resorts in most of the Caribbean, and Mexico, they've been shut down. There's no activity, nothing going on there. So again, going back to the pioneers and the, the diehards, that's going to be a really great experience when you get to Mexico or the Caribbean. Um, we talked briefly about a country like Panama. I mean, Panama is, is one of those hidden gems that I, I I was lucky enough to go to about five or six years ago. And I have never been to a country that has that is more diverse. And what I mean by that is, the first couple of nights, we were on the beach. We were on the beach staying in an all-inclusive resort, uh, uh, which was the Hyatt there. And from there, you would drive to uh, Lake Catano, which is the lake that uh, connects the um, Panama Canal, the world's deepest, uh, deepest lake. And when you're there, you feel like you're in the backwoods. We were at a resort. We were at a restaurant eating um, lunch and up the river literally came, um, a family in a canoe, uh, Aboriginal family. They came up to sell their goods. They sold their goods to us in the restaurant. They got back in their canoe and they went back down river. And I'm like, is this Disney world or something? Is this really happening? (laughs) I mean, are these and the guy's like, he goes, no, there's the Aboriginals are all over the place.
3: Wow. What types of things did they sell?
2: They were selling, um, uh, necklaces. They were selling wood carvings. And again, you're, and I'm looking at the stuff. And yeah, it's 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 none of this prefabricated stuff. Everything was made from shells, um, uh, trees, w- uh, wood, and even um, like grass. They had interwoven different things, and it was it was really probably the most authentic experience I'd ever seen. And and what's weird is so from Lake Gatano, you're about forty five minutes from the beach. From Lake Gatano, you go back to Panama City which is probably another half hour from Lake Catano and Panama city is like the busiest. It's like going into downtown Hong Kong. All of a sudden you're in the middle of nowhere with the jungles and the lakes and the wild animals and the original people. And then you pull into this city that looks like Hong Kong. There's traffic everywhere. There's high rises, there's casinos, there's neon lights. It is the most unbelievable and extreme examples of existence within the smallest, um, distance I've ever seen in my life. Wow.
3: So is there any sort of transitional period or uh, transitional, you know, from going from the the jungles into the city? I mean, is, <laughs> is there at least like one housing development or something along the way? <laughs> Pull your canoe what, right up into the what's trans.
2: What's interesting is, and I don't, I, you might have to fact check me on this one, but Panama is like the third richest country in the world, third, third, fourth, or fifth. And that's ever since they've taken over the Panama Canal. OK, so the transition from the lake and all the wilderness there, as you're driving closer, you're going through different um, ports and harbors. And then you start coming into areas that all they do is stock up the containers, the containers, are going, the shipping containers. So you could literally be coming through and see thousands of these containers that are on ships, that are on trains. So you're seeing this. So that's kind of your transition from the jungles a little bit more you know a little bit more city-like and then once you get through that all of a sudden you see the high rises and and it's interesting for the for uh what they would call uh middle-income people they live in like these tall tenement houses that you know none of us would ever think that's middle income but it is it's just such a unique um just such a unique place and the people are so wonderful I, I it blew, I went for work. I didn't expect to be blown away like I was.
1: Wow. We're, we, we did a thing on places to retire in our last podcast and Panama comes up in all the lists. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Two,
2: right? I, I yeah. see that I could absolutely see that. But again, it, it's just hard to digest that, you know, it's the third or third, fourth or fifth richest country in the world. Um, I was told Again, fact check me. But I was told, like, every time a cruise ship goes through the Panama Canal, it's about a $300,000 cost.
1: Hmm. Well, that, that and that's would just add one
2: a, way. That's and, the most
3: expensive toll road in the world.
2: <laughs> and it's got to be paid by cash. They don't bill you. They don't take credit cards. You need to wire it. The money wow. needs to be there. It's, it's all cash. So you you deal. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're cruising on one of the yachts, let's say you have an expensive yacht and you want to go through the Panama Canal... It's probably going to cost ten grand to do it for a small for a small yacht, ten uh-huh. twenty grand. I but can what's see going that, to happen-
1: but three hundred grand, holy mackerel! <laughs>
2: that's cash, right? Petty cash, yeah. right out of your pocket.
1: Yeah. Well, well if you have that size people- yacht, eh.
2: <laughs> what they make you do, which is interesting, what they make you do though, is they make you sit outside, just uh, in the ocean, and they're going to wait for about five or six uh, other yachts or boats your size, and then when there's five or six of them there, that's when they process them all. So you can't gotcha. just go through by yourself unless right. you want to. Oh, wow. Out. It's, yeah. it's just crazy.
1: Still beats going around the, the bottom of South America. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it
0: does.
2: Right. That's <laughs> probably
0: a little bit more than 300 grand for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they priced it to be, you know, if you went all the way around the bottom and it would cost you 320. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we got a deal for you. <laughs>
0: Plus a week. Right. I mean. Right. saves you a week. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah.
1: Right. Wow. Well, so that's one. Um, and
2: then, you know, I, I, Mexico. We talked a little bit about, you know, Mexico and Caribbean opening, and, and one of the other countries or one of the other areas in Mexico that's that's really kind of near and dear to my heart is Merida, Mexico, which is the Yucatan area. Just you know, Merida's is about mm, four hours from Cancun, and um, the history and the beauty and the people in that area. It's it's kind of too bad they to get overshadowed by Cancun and Riviera Maya over in that area. Most people go to that area, they'll go to Cancun, Riviera Maya, you know, 10, 15 times, and none of them will ever venture in westward towards Merida and, and all the Mayan ruins.
0: Yeah, I've been to Playa. How far is it from there?
2: For about four and a half hours. Oh,
0: okay, so you're more in. Okay. Okay, and,
1: and yep. we want we want to go a little deeper in, in Merida here in a little bit. Uh, it's, so flying out to whether it's Caribbean or, or Panama or any of those places, Jamaica, what is it and, and they're re- relaxing the 14day quarantine? What about coming back to the US? That's one of my concerns still. Do, do, does the. US. still have a 14 day quarantine coming back from one of those countries? or is it if you're an American, they've got a you know a temperature test or some other kind of test you can take? or what what are the rules on that?
2: Well right now there's no quarantine on it. and it's interesting the, the United States didn't really push a 14 day quarantine. Uh, What you had heard people talk about more or less was private. So businesses, companies, uh, those were the ones that were doing the 14-day quarantine. So it wasn't the government saying, okay, I mean, let me take, let me get that back. When the cruise ships were coming in and this was just starting off, you know, those first two or three weeks of this, yeah, then they were doing the quarantine. But once it relaxed a little bit, it became more of a private issue where businesses and organizations were the one that were demanding the 14-day quarantine. So the U.S. wasn't as bad about it. Uh, I do know it's they're testing right now. Currently, they're testing some. um, They're taking people's temperatures. You're required to wear a mask at the airport, on the plane, through TSA, through check-in. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if if things don't start leveling out here very soon. Um, They could potentially, especially for your international travel, they could start asking for paperwork like uh, medical a medical letter designated that, Hey, you've been checked within 72 hours of this flight and you do not have COVID or anything.
1: Interesting. Which, which Mm -hmm. I could see that too. agree with it. Just, uh, depending on your local health department, like we're in West Virginia and and it's not as easy to get access to some of the testing. It's gotten better like every place, but uh, if you didn't have symptoms and a doctor's excuse, you couldn't just go get a test. Um, so saying I'm going to, you know, I'm going overseas. I don't know how, and like I said, it might have changed. I mean, this is updating and changing. It's a very fluid situation. Right. Um, but I mean, that would make sense. And I wouldn't have a problem doing it. It's just, can as you as get you the test? Get it, yeah. yeah so can yeah. you get the test within 72 hours? And then, you know, what if your flight changes and all that? We had a, a exchange student from Bolivia and she had to get back into Bolivia, which did have a quarantine uh, for 14 days. She needed a test within, I think, four days, three or four days of when her flight was. Well, they kept moving her flight. It was a charter flight out of Miami, and yes. uh, but luckily we were able to um, to get a get her her pass to get the test, and then it once she got that, she had it into, and then could go take it whenever she knew she had a solid flight. So, I guess if you can, can do those and get your orders, then it then it would work. But that. Um, well,
2: who gave her the authority to get the test? How'd you, how'd you get that to me? That seems like the biggest trick.
1: We got a guy. We got <laughs> a guy. Yeah. Um, uh, fortunately, I'm on a, a local board with the hospital and was able to ask uh, an executive to, to see what the procedures were. And then they were able to get the order since it was an exchange student through rotary. Uh, and, uh, and so we were able to get the orders cause it was a special exception and then get the test turned around. That was the other thing. The test had to be turned around Most of them here, they're sending out to labs, and it can be 72 hours before you get the results, and we were able to get a 24-hour turn on that. So, just luckily, we knew some people. So
2: It's kind of weird, because here in Wisconsin, you know, our area right now, I mean, they're continuing to open testing sites left and right. So, I mean... I don't necessarily think testing is going to be a problem moving forward because even as this tends to slow down right now or, or level off or down curve the bell, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, it just seems like every time I turn around, there's another testing station open, another testing station. Right.
1: Open, so. and, and that hopefully that's what happens. And, and even better, if they can prove the antibodies, if once you've had it, even if you never showed symptoms and you got the antibodies, you know, maybe you can take that test, so you don't have to worry about the seventy-two hour thing. You're good for a year or whatever they, it proves out right. to be. Yeah, suppose that's yeah, so, you
3: know, just personally, you're okay, but you still might be able to carry it, and even if you have the antibodies.
1: But I'm just saying yeah. to show that. Well, yeah, I I, I don't yeah, know all the science it, on that. But.
2: My daughter just got tested, and she does have the antibodies, and really? I think once you're you're not you can't really carry it. Is what right? I'm, that's what I, oh, I
1: understand too. Okay, so that's
2: once that's that's like you know what. That's you're good. You're golden. Golden. Right. You, oh, that's the that's a golden ticket.
0: You, you I'm willing. Government. I'm going to make a T-shirt. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I got the antibodies.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, let's um, let's kind of segue a little bit. We, we've already started talking about Panama, but I know you visit there, and obviously gave us a little bit of uh, a background there. Um, with Panama, obviously, it's a country what, uh, did you just go to Panama city and then some outlying places there or, or where all did you travel when you were in Panama?
2: Yeah, no, we, we went to Panama city. We flew into, and we went to the canal area, uh, which is the Lake Catan area. And, um, then just outside of Panama city is, um, is the beach area. So about 25 minutes from there is where we stayed. And, um, that was it. I was there for one of the neatest experiences. I was there for three days, four days, and I got to see a lot. But New Panama City, Old Panama City, is kind of this resurrected area with that um, you know was settled in the sixteen hundreds. French influence, Dutch influence. I mean, very heavily European influence in Old um, Panama City. From there, you look across kind of down, I don't want to say, yeah, across the harbor, and you see these high-rises, you know, 60-, 70-story buildings, glass, uh, neon light, it's just, it. literally, it's spectacular. Um, But they have this this resurgence in old Panama City now where you could walk by one of these buildings and it's completely, the roof is caved in, uh, there's trees and and, um, uh, weeds growing out or ferns growing out of it, and the building that's built right next to it or uh, adjoining it could, is a Gucci store. Oh <laughs> well, yeah. And then there's, you know, and, and it's every other store is like, um, uh, you know, abandoned or, or like I just described to you, but then there's all these great shops up and down the way. I found that to be probably one of my favorite areas was old Panama city. So if anybody goes to Panama city, you have to take the old Panama city tour.
1: Yeah. That, that's what I was reading at the store quarter. Um, it's got a lot to do. A lot of cool food, night night spot scene. There's just a lot going on down there. It sounds like
2: correct, and it, it and it's just it's it's just New Panama City so fast paced. There's so much noise, pollution, uh, horns, and traffic, and people coming at you. You know, you move a little bit down the the coastline there, not very far. I mean, we're talking a couple miles down where you can see the transition from old or historic Panama City to New Panama City, and the vibe is just chill. You know, the people that are there just relax and the people that have stores there are so proud of the history of, well, the historic section of old Panama City that they love sharing it with you. I mean, the cathedral that's down there has been, you know, it's like five different architects with five different motifs in it. And, you know, you look at this thing and then you look at the top and you see, you know, moss growing out of one side and a tree or we, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's very authentic. It has not been over commercialized.
1: Now is is uh, just to get my bearings a little bit. Is uh, Old Panama City or or the historic quarter also Casco Viejo?
2: Yes, correct.
1: Okay, so there's there's all kinds of stuff there. Live jazz, salsa, classic rock. I mean, a little bit of everything, right?
2: Yeah, a lot of salsa when I was a lot of that going on down there. A lot of salsa dancing and everything. So so did you salsa it, it dance? Was a great diversion.
1: Did you get your salsa on? Yeah.
2: Uh, You know, this white guy is not very good at it, so (laughs) I do the I do the old Midwestern guy dance, and uh, then they tell me to sit down and
1: drink more tequila. With (laughs) with the white man overbite,
2: exactly. You know what? And uh, throw in a couple hand claps. I'm good.
1: (laughs) But you
3: missed out on the perfect opportunity. You're out of the country. Nobody knows you unless you traveled with a group. You know.
2: Unfortunately, most of the time I travel is with groups, so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and they're taking videos on their phone, right?
2: That is correct. Sending it back to the office or the family or wherever.
1: <laughs> now, I heard a couple uh, uh, people compare Panama City to Miami. Did you get that vibe when you were there?
2: I did, absolutely, but in um, a more, obviously, a more Latin and more South American feel. Um you definitely knew you were not in the United States, even though I know, my, I mean, with Miami, you got a Latin feel and a Cuban vibe and everything, but you still know you're in the States. Um, you get that feeling when you're in Panama City, you're not in the States. You definitely know that.
1: But did you feel comfortable? Was there any negative feelings? Or I'm sure there's always bad places somewhere, but in, in the at least in the historic quarter, uh, feel safe at all times?
2: Yes. I felt I you know what I felt very safe in the historic quarter um Panama City itself with it being so busy you know what I felt as safe there as I would in New York you know I mean it really it's that hustle and bustle so I had no problems I was not worried and my wife was with me you know neither one of us had any major issues with it.
1: and and I think um and that's what we've heard too I think that's why it's it's considered one of the top retirement places in the world so obviously you have to have safety to Consider wanting to retire there. So (laughs) (laughs) that, that would make sense. Uh, What was um, cost wise? I mean, we hear it's, it's very affordable there. Is that, was that your experience?
2: Absolutely. It was, um, well, if we were um, one night, we were in the the Trump casino, the Trump resort, and that was very expensive. I mean, that would, uh, that would be comparable to, you know, having a cocktail in Chicago. But again, when you got to uh, historic, uh, Panama city, the prices went down a little bit and it was definitely, you know, and if you're, if you it's a great place to buy street food, street beverages, but you know, very local cuisine, it's safe. The food was safe. The water was safe. Um, so again, you get yourself out of that really metropolitan area and the pricing is going to be very, very reasonable, very reasonable.
1: We always like good, uh, uh array of street vendors. Street yeah. Food. I was going to say well, that
0: was going to be my question is, you know, We love kind of the cafe kind of street level, you know, food and drink scene and just be able to chill and hang out. People watch. Um, It seemed like there was a good vibe for that. Is that what you found?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I will tell you the biggest drawback that I had in Panama um, was, and again, we stayed at a beach resort. uh, I believe actually it was the Dreams Playa Bonita. So we're in Bonita Bay um, on the beach. And what's weird is, it's subject to the tide going in and out. So when we got there, the tide was in, the water was up to the beach. Everything was great. We were at the pool, having a good time, you know, feeling, you know, you got this like beach vibe going. And then a few hours later, we look out there and the tide's out. And what happens is your beautiful sand beach now becomes mud for, you know, <laughs> like 40 and you're like, yeah, that, that kind of lost its appeal. Um, and I'm like, mm, all right, I think I'm going to stay in the pool first and foremost. But you know, that was kind of, that was the first time I experienced something like that in a beach destination. And it was a little awkward. So, you know, I want to be honest with people about that, but that was the worst thing, which is fine because you're, it makes up with being able to go inland and experience the Panama Canal, the city, the, all the other things that, you know, and, and to learn about the country itself. I mean, it, it's just amazing. So
1: right. you trade
2: one off for the other.
1: Well, that kind of leads into to day trips. Uh, do you, Either ones you went on or ones you recommend. What are some good day trips uh, when when you visit Panama City?
2: Oh, well, one of the first is um, they have, there's there's a a lot of um, wildlife, you know, a lot of things, a lot of monkeys, a lot of of variation of monkeys and birds, uh, alligators, fish. Uh, So we did a day trip to um, the locks in the Panama Canal, okay? So we went to one set of locks and, we, you know, there's a museum there. It, they they teach you on how it was built, the, you know, how many people died. And it, they just kind of show you everything. And it's it's so interesting. And then you kind of, it's, it's like a two-story. So you start on the first story and you work your way up to this balcony or the patio on top of the building. And when you get up there, you're at the locks. And you're standing outside and you're watching these huge shri- sh- uh, ships transverse through the Panama Canal. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people uh, that take the cruises, the Panama Canal cruises, um, you know, that's the thing. It's four in the morning when the ship's going through. So everybody, oh, time to get up. Let's go up on the dock. And, you know, it's not a real exciting thing. <laughs> I'm going to lie. It's <laughs> not real exciting. So we stay there for an hour, you know, the locks the gates shut. The water fills up the gates to the other side of it open. The ship moves to that one. The water fills up. You know, it's a long, slow process. Um, but you still got to see it and you should really experience the museum. Um, one of the other things that I thought was, that was one of my favorite was, um, uh, Lake Catan. So we went and did a, a, a boat trip on Lake Catan. And what they do is they take you off to a couple different islands where there's a lot of wildlife. And again, the monkeys will come and jump on your boat and they'll steal the stuff right off your lap if you let them. So make sure you hold on to your phones. They like things that are shiny. Um, so you see a lot of wildlife, you see the, you know, the fish jumping in the water, you see the alligators, you see the, the birds and the monkeys running around. That's neat. But when you're on Lake Catan, it is so big, this is like I said, so you could have a, uh, a cargo ship coming through that could have six stories of cargo, the cargo containers up, and probably 20 long. So you're talking maybe a couple hundred of these containers on the ship. And we're in this tiny little boat zipping right next to it. And I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. And then if there's one, you know, a cruise ship or a princess, princess does a lot of the the Panama Canal. You get up super close to one of those cruise ships. It's pretty impressive. I mean, that, that and the aboriginal going into the aboriginal villages to see how they live and how they exist. Those are my favorite day. Those are my favorite excursions.
0: Nice. What about um, – I was thinking, too, just quickly about transportation. I know you guys were kind of around a little bit. How did you get, get around in Panama?
2: Well, we had transfers set for us. Okay. But if you're – the cab service there was fine and private private transfers. So there's DMCs that are there that you can hire out for the day or for excursions or whatever. So it's very simple to get around.
0: Good. Well, I was just mentioning – it made me think of it because, you know, I always listen to – we were talking about different podcasters and that we listen to. And if um, you guys are into to indie travel podcast, no. they, um, th- these guys do a pretty good job. They've been traveling abroad full time since like 2006 and we spent five and a half months in Panama and uh, they have what? a pretty good, yeah, they have a pretty good uh, episode out there on it. Check it out. And um, they, uh, and one of the things they talk about a lot is kind of getting around when you've been there for that long. It's kind of like literally been there for only six months. But yeah, they had some pretty cool stuff too on there too. So, if you're really interested in going and staying, especially for an extended period of time, they had some good insights. But yeah, maybe think yeah, about six, it because they were talking about traveling around.
2: As I was gonna say, after six months or what, you are definitely not high, hiring private DMCS. to get No, you. <laughs> not at
1: all. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, um, I, I know you mentioned. I think, and I hopefully, I got this right. You stayed at Bonita Bay and the Hyatt. <clears throat> what are some accommodations? I,
2: I, Apologize. It was the Dreams Bonita Bay.
1: Oh, okay. So, uh, how are those accommodations, or and or what other accommodations do you recommend if somebody was going to Panama?
2: I ab- You know what? I love the um, the Dreams. It's what's interesting is the Dreams Playa Bonita is your traditional beach resort. Okay, so it could be in Cancun, it could be in Jamaica, it could be in the Dominican. So you get that feel, and for t- travelers um panama is kind of a unique adventurous destination so it's kind of nice to start the trip in a hotel like that for people that you know okay they get a little bit more acclimated um and they they kind of settle in you know what i mean they're comfortable then you head off into um the city of panama and you have um like i said you got the trump intercontinental hotel is the one that i recommend in downtown panama Intercontinental was a great hotel, located right in the center of everything. It had access to the casinos, to the mall, to the shops. And it was everything you needed. And the pricing for that was much more reasonable. So I absolutely loved that property. And, um, oh, see, I'm embarrassed because it just left my mind. Uh, We stated a report. (laughs) (laughs) In Lake Catan is one of the most authentic, um, oh, I got to look it up. I'm sorry, while I'm talking to you, I'm gonna look it up. That's okay. Um, but it, it it it's interesting because it is a kind of a wildlife reserve, okay? And um, beautiful pools, the rooms are unique, but each door to each of the hotel rooms was hand carved, so you got these beautifully wooden hand carved doors. And I asked I'm like, that wasn't that kind of cost per? I mean, that had to be cost proof, that, that had to be very expensive. What they said is those doors are carved by the inmates in the Panamanian jail right mm. down the road. Wow. So it's kind of must be like their version of license plates. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a nice version.
2: Yes, yes it is. And um, the guy said to me, he goes, your room, you may not know, Manuel Noriega might have carved your door for all you know.
1: <laughs> I
2: said, I'm going to use that. I think I'm going to tell everybody he did. Yes. Um, oh. Going to drive me here. I, uh, ah. oh, I just did a group there two years ago too. another uh, after ah. all right all right I'll, I'll come I, that's fine if it comes to you
1: that's fine so what um, it sounds like there's obviously lots of great places to eat or, or drink and and all that what are some uh, wine and dine experiences you'd like to share with us <clears throat>
2: know what street food i and i i'm just i'm a big street food guy and that goes right back to panama city eat you that is going to be your best meal is going to be um oh i got the name of my resort and that's perfectly into um the food but the street food in panama city in the city to me is the best okay anything from their version of crepes to the street tacos um to um uh the uh, cinnamon, uh, what are they called? Thank you to the churros, the street churros. Those are, to me, those are the best meals. Everything else in the city was um, pretty big city. You know what I mean? You can get Italian, you can get French, you can get Chinese. Um, not a whole lot of local Panamanian in the restaurants. That's why you get it on the street food. The place that I was talking about uh, that I think you have to go to is it's called the Gamboa Rainforest Resort. So the Gamboa Rainforest Resort is um, one where they had the carved doors and they had the restaurants there. The seafood was fantastic, not seafood, the lake was, that's because it's right off of the lake. So the fish was fantastic. That would be one of my biggest recommendations would be um, any of the fish off of that area. And there's so many different options to it.
1: Nice. Now is um, is is the lake freshwater or is that brackish water or salt water? What uh, what type it of fish is, are they getting there?
2: It's freshwater.
1: Okay, and it's a man-made lake, I think.
2: And I was going to say, and it's a it is a man-made lake, and it is unbelievably deep. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I think it they, I think it is the le- deepest lake in um, the Americas. See, I, I wonder.
3: Any idea? Did they did they purposefully make it that? deep for the ships to be able yep. to utilize that
2: yep they did because when the ships come in they you know when they start at the at the ocean levels they go up so when each lock on the uh, canal rises with water it rises you up to the next one it rises you up to the next one rises to you up to the next one so when you get to the top lake lake of up there you're at the highest level and that water needs to from what i understand filter through to the gates so yes that's wild. Wow. Yeah.
0: Sounds like a field trip. Oh my god! It's, <laughs> now, now I'm curious
3: about how how deep the lake is. I'm I'm trying to look this up here. Any idea? It's deep. <laughs>
2: Real, say, deep. It's, Real deep. Real <laughs> deep. I wore two life jackets on my boat. I don't know. That was
0: enough. <laughs> you're gonna play pick the quarter off the bottom of the pool. when that one.
3: Now no. you're gonna lose. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna find that out. I'll let you guys All right. know. check when you. you see, it's yeah.
2: 85 feet above sea level, and uh, let's see, is it 85 above Pacific level. Lake is it five feet? <laughs> wow. Darn Those it. Those are in depth, greater than 40 feet to 45 feet deep is what they're saying.
1: That's deep. Yep.
2: That is deep. And it's a big lake. Oh. It's a lot and of water. A lot of different, you know, offshoots of it.
1: Cool. All right. Well, um, I, I, any other wine and don experiences that that uh, you can think of that that you would like to recommend in Panama? Um,
2: you know, I, I I will not. I like I said, I I just can't say enough about the fresh fish at the Gamboa Rainforest and the street food in in Panama City, and especially historically historic panama so no awesome. i'm a little i'm a little off i did not that's get a okay. chance to venture in that far to have a recommendation
1: no that's okay that's okay well let, let me ask you this in july would people be able to go to panama on a trip from the u.s and then specifically
0: from uh, right around washington dc right which is, i don't know specifically where we're at.
1: two of the people on this
2: podcast <laughs> Right now as a travel professional I would not recommend July. I'm okay. thinking a little bit more
1: August. into
2: the September October. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you would have to be one of my diehards and I think you guys are diehards so Sorry. you know what I can hook you. Right.
1: Now is that but, because of the travel restrictions or because of the heat of the of the equator? I asked that same question.
2: My mine it's strictly str- travel um, because gotcha. of the travel restrictions. Gotcha. Right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome good September it is (laughs) because we we were ready to go if if, if they were going to let us in we were going (laughs) don't fool
2: yourself it's going to be hotter than blazes down there on top of it but I'm saying because of restrictions
1: Gotcha. okay Okay. awesome well why don't we transition now to Merida Mexico uh that sounds like another interesting spot you've you've uh, obviously been to a number of times and uh, uh though a great place to go a little bit lesser known in the Mexican travels uh Uh, it's the capital of culture in the Yucatan, uh, peninsula. Why don't you uh, tell us a little more about that?
2: You know, what's interesting about Merida, the first time I went there, um, oh God, it was about four, four years ago. And it's a big city over a million people. It is, you know, it was the center of education and culture when the Mayans were running the world, you know what I mean? They were, they were deemed the smartest, um, the smartest region of people, uh, you know, they came up with the calendar. And um, it, it, I, I'm not doing a great job describing it at the moment. Let me rephrase that. It's a big city. You go in there, you wake up, and you're like, oh, what's what's so special about this town? And as you start walking through, you find that it has the most European influence of any any city outside of Europe I've ever seen. It is the cleanest big city I've ever been to by far. It is the smell of the food and the location. I mean, it's inland, so you're not on, you, you know, you're not on the water. It's inland, but the surrounding forests and jungles and things, I mean, it, it's just this wonderful smell, and the people are so absolutely wonderful, absolutely wonderful. It has the oldest cathedral in the Americas, and that was very cool to see. We were lucky enough to be there during their, um, kind of like their 4th of July, their Independence Day. And they have a, a three-day festival that goes on right outside the, the cathedral. Um, and when you talk about, when I talk about street food in Panama, that was good, but it pales in comparison to the food and to all the, the just the options of um, food and beverage that Merida had. I, I just was completely blown away and I absolutely fell in love with the, the, the city.
1: Do they have a lot of street markets? It, it looks like what I've been reading that, that uh, that's a very popular thing there.
2: Yes. The, a lot of street markets, a lot of, and you had a lot of traditional stores and a lot of, it, it's a great combination of both. And they have the festivals with the street markets that go on every weekend. Like I said, when we were there for the festival, that was like the street market jacked up um, on steroids, you know, as far what as time, you can see, what, nightly entertainment.
1: What time of year was that big festival?
2: The big festival is the first weekend in January. It's their celebration, their, their anniversary celebration.
1: So does it tie in with New Year's?
2: Nope. It has nothing to do with New York, New Year's. It's just when that area was supposedly um, settled.
1: No, cool.
0: I love a new location that's warm in January. Seven, now,
1: 75 degrees in January. When you say settled, because this is going back to the Mayans, was it nice. settled by the Mayans <laughs> or settled by... Whoever their current ancestors are. You know
2: what? Their history goes back so far. All I can remember back to is the Mayans. And I mean, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So Um,
3: what I'm reading here, it, it says that the city was founded by the Spanish conquistadors in the 1540s. Yeah, well.
2: So I think the Mayans were prior to that.
3: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: well. yeah I'm thinking I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here because. Well, you know. so
3: it's saying it was founded on top of a centuries-old Maya city. <laughs> right. So the conquistadors founded. Yeah. Merida, but they, they took uh, over they, the ruins. They, they uh, yeah. put it on top well, of the was, Mayan. Speaking ruins. Speaking of
0: the name, Tom, how do, how do you properly pronounce that? Merida. Yeah, Merida.
2: Yeah, Merida. See, don't pre- make me say it again. I was going to
0: say, because <laughs> the pronunciation is pretty close you know, to some words that mean different in Italian and French.
2: Yeah, right. You know what the, what the very close word to that is, right? right. Merida. Which Merida is not a good word. Merida. Right. right, okay. But with my Wisconsin accent, i screwed up every okay.
1: time. No, I'm just making <laughs> sure.
2: i got myself in trouble a couple times with that.
1: Now, with the Spanish founding this and calling it that, and, and, and at that time in the 1500s, those languages were a lot more similar than they are now. I mean, did they think it was a, you know, crap city, or <laughs> what? What uh, what was going on there Is it just simply uh, enunciation? Tom, I think I think, I think Jim might think strictly, you're that old. I don't know what's going
3: on here.
2: I'm going to go on the limb that they strictly didn't. That word wasn't even around back then right. when they started. Because there's yeah. nothing Merida about that area at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny though, in the city, but more on the outskirts of Merida, um, signage. And, you know, even some of the highway highway signs, names on cities and buildings are all still Mayan. So you have uh, maybe 20% of the, and I'm trying to remember, about 20% of the population in that area still reads Mayan.
1: Wow. I didn't so even know that really really was still an active language. Yeah, I didn't either.
2: Right. And I didn't either. And it's, it, you know, it, it's funny because a couple of the places we went to and there there is... And the thing about the Mayan language is that it's phonetical. So whatever you see written is how you say it. There was a there was a town we were in, and it was called Taxibichin, <laughs> and it's like 12 letters. And I'm looking at it, and my the tour guy was with him, and I were talking. He's like, "Sound it out, Taxibichin." He's like, "Yep, you said it right." I'm like, "What?" And it, it's weird because it's phonetical when you come to the Mayan words. A lot of wow. X's, though, a lot of Z's, a lot of ch.
1: Interesting. I would have never guessed that. I that don't was think that. I've seen that on Rosetta Stone. Uh, yeah. When, <laughs> <laughs> when you think of lost civilizations, you're not thinking their language is still active. That's yeah, no, interesting. No,
2: no, it's uh, it, yeah. It. We we were lucky enough to go into when we were traveling around there. We visited the ruins, and I at, the first time I went, I had a group of high school students. And there's about 24 of us. And as we were driving from Valladolid, which is where um, oh, Chichen Itza is, uh, we were driving through Coba. And that afternoon, we had a lunch um, in a uh, uh, at a Mayan um, a Mayan priest's home. Okay, a shaman. So we went to a shaman. And here we are in this bus driving down the highway. It's two lane highway, flowers everywhere. And just absolutely beautiful. We turn off this dirt road and it is a one lane dirt road. And we go about a half a mile in, pull up. And there is literally this little um, uh, palapa and a yard with chickens running around and dogs and, you know, a table set in the yard for us. And the gentleman comes out, the shaman comes out, greets the bus. And there's like 22 of us. We get off. Um, and he's probably got six kids under the age of nine. Okay. And they are all dressed in mind garb and half of them are cooking the food on a stone that we're going to be eating. The other half are playing musical instruments, singing to us and, you know, welcoming us. And the first thing I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, you know, they're cooking the food on a stone. I got, a, I got a Catholic high school group of kids. I am so getting sued. <laughs> I'm, thinking. I'm like, oh my God, how's this going to go? We get in, we have the food. is fantastic. We're, the water's purified. And, and, and it's great because there was only one person on our bus who would not drink or eat. And she was the one person that got sick <laughs> that night. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know if it was the Mayan shaman throwing a little something <laughs> on her. But no a, as we're getting ready to finish uh, the, the luncheon and the blessing. And, you know, he talked about all the different herbs and all the different things that they use in, in their ceremonies and in their blessings. And he's got this root in his hand and he's got this knife and he's walking by and he's cutting a piece of the root off. He's handing it to everybody. And he's telling, you know, chew this. And I'm the last guy and I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, I somehow escaped through lunch without getting anybody sick or losing anybody. I said, what is it? Okay. Now I'm really going to get sued. Sure enough, guy gives it to me. I chew into it. I can't feel my mouth. My whole and I'm looking at all the teenage kids and the chaperones, and they're all freaking out because they can't feel their mouth. And he's like, proceeding to tell us, "This is what we do if you have a toothache, or this is what we apply if you're sick, or whatever." And I'm like, oh. So we get back on the bus, and of course, what good you know lunch stop doesn't have a little shopping area right in the living room? I get on the bus, and there's I look, and there's at least four of the boys, but a piece of this root and I'm like sorry <laughs> fellas I gotta repossess that this never happened and you're not bringing this back to share with anybody and that's still
3: in your private collection to this day
2: uh maybe a tenth of it is <laughs> <laughs> but that was to see these kids interact that was you know truly that the only thing that was better than that is when we went we, we did two other um that Bichin city I was telling you about we went to a school there Manuel Antonio and we got to spend the day with, the, um, you know, first and second graders. And that was just amazing. Um, and then the next day in Merida, we did go to the local orphanage, which was heartbreaking. You know, it really was. It was a great. It, and, you know, all these different experiences for the students as well as myself really put Merida as a um, just a great, great experience. And I've been trying to get my wife back there um, just just to see it, you know, it's funny because they're in, in downtown Merida, you, the Champs-Élysées of Paris, everybody knows that, that's world famous. Um, they have what is, um, oh, I wish I to I, I, I remember the name of it, but they have a, like a, a smaller version of the Champs-Élysées because everybody was so educated back in the 15, 16, 1700s, they were traveling to Europe at this time. They were coming and going. So they brought back all this architecture and all this culture and they replicated right in Merida. Wow. So you're driving down the road. You literally could be in Paris.
1: Interesting. Yeah. That's wild. That is really cool. Now, uh, now I'm really intrigued. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds different. like a, a lot of cool day trips there with, with the, uh, the, the Catholic uh, kids were you on any kind of mission trip or just uh, a field trip type thing or. This was a
2: this was for their Spanish class oh, because wow, it was cool. a Catholic school. We tied in as much of the um, you know uh, Catholic religion and um, uh, you know we did the Cathedral of Merida, which is the one I told you about. Uh, we went to there is Ushmal is one of the cities that uh, Pope Francis was there in 1993 held a mass and it was interesting because he went there. To kind of ask forgiveness for the missionaries that went down and, and slaughtered the Mayans and the Spanish or anybody that wasn't Catholic, and it was a pretty deep, you know, it's it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty heavy. Um, what should I say? Area. I mean, uh, the statue and the story of it all. I mean, you know, what pope goes down and asks forgiveness for what the the, the church did prior to him? Very few. And that was in Valladolid. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Ismal. Ismal is the yellow city. That's what it was. So um, very cool area there. Again, that just, and Pope Francis was there to ask for forgiveness.
1: Nice. Yeah. What, um, so there's some great day trips, accommodations. Where do you recommend uh, someone would stay there?
2: Oh, I, you know, what's funny is when we were in Merida, we checked into um, the hotel we were at was the Real. It was like, a uh, it's a real resort, but it's the Fiesta Americana Inn. Just the simple, clean hotel. Got a great restaurant. It's within steps of the city center. And it was, it's like 90 bucks a night, you know, um, show, um, not peak week, like Easter Christmas, but it's like 90 to 120 bucks a night most of the time. And it is clean, one of the cleanest hotels I've ever been in, um, we ended the trip, we, we stayed uh, at a, pro, what was, I'm just trying to remember the name of the hotel we stayed at, in uh, Valladolid. Valladolid is um, uh, the Quinta Hotel. This was like a bunch of little, um, how shall I say, it was almost like a a, um, a compound. You know, all the, the, there's a bunch of different rooms in all different areas. The restaurant and bar was in the center, the pool was towards the front, but right on the outskirts of it, you were right in the town of Valladolid. So right on the other side of the wall was a local school. And you could hear the school children playing, but not where it was a problem. You walk out and there's a gas station across the street, extremely safe. And it was so mild and so mellow. I absolutely love that hotel.
1: Nice. Awesome. Um, yeah. well, and you mentioned safe. It sounds like the this, this city's pretty incredible to begin with. But I assume you felt safe all around uh, all the different areas there.
2: Yeah, we, we did. We felt very safe, obviously, with the students. None of them left us at any time. Um, and if they did, we were, you know, right across the square from them. We, you know, some of you got you got teenage boys and you got teenage girls. And, you know, when you try to go to a country, and the thing is not a lot of people speak English where we were. That was the key to all of this. Very little English was spoken in the center of that area. More Mayan probably than English. Um so we kind of made a, a little bit of a, a game for the kids because, uh, you know, young boys are looking at young uh, Mexican girls. Young girls from our group are looking at young Mexican boys and giggling and talking. And, you know, it was funny because then we, we started the game with them, like, OK, who can get the most Spanish words in and go up and introduce yourself to one of these people? <laughs> so, you know, an hour into it, you know, you got one boy, going, OK, I'm going to go talk to her. And then coming back to the group and the girls are like, OK, well, I'm going to go talk to that guy. And we really got them immersed in the culture and the kids. And it was, it was so much fun. And no, to go back to your question about safety, there was, I did not feel, um, I was not, I felt the safety was one of the best in the big city I've ever had. I've ever been in.
0: When's the the last time you were there, Tom?
2: It's been that, it's been uh, some five years, three, three years ago. Okay. I've been trying to get back, like I said, bring my wife. I want to take her to the festival um, because it is so cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously Mexico has you know gotten a little bit of a, a safety issue. That's been, at least they talk about in the United States, but I know it's like everything there. There's certain areas where it's good. Some areas where it's, it's not, but you guys felt fine there, huh?
2: Absolutely. I would go back there. You know, I'd go back there next week. If I had to, you know, and it's, it's one of those things right now with um, you know, the, the president having shut down the borders of Canada and Mexico, people seem to think that, well, I can't go to Mexico. Well, you can go to Mexico. The, the, the problem is you just can't drive there. And it's those border towns that are the problem that we right. would recommend you stay away from. Don't go but sure. flying into the major tourist areas. You're fine.
1: Awesome. Well, Tom, we're getting close to the, the end of our, our time here, but just to kind of wrap up with Marita. um, the wine and dine section. Are there any uh, places you recommend? I know you mentioned street food, which sounded like it was incredible in, in some of the markets, but any other uh, bars or restaurants that you'd recommend?
2: Uh, there is a, um, oh, I got to remember the name of it again, going back to, it was in <laughs> That's the My man, they look at me cross-eyed when I say that there was a, um, it was a small, uh, oh, it's a hacienda, it's hacienda o'chil, O-C-H-I-L. And these haciendas are uh, where they're, they're like plantations in the whole area. So there's a bunch of these haciendas and we were able to go to one that um, will take you around and give you a, a, a c- Cecil, is what the, the Meridians and the Mayans were known for. Cecil is a twine that you, can, you can't make anywhere. It's only found in that area. So all these haciendas were creating the Cecil um, rope and twine and everything. So they're very, it was a very popular uh, product, 15, 16, 1700s. And um, so these haciendas we went to in this Hacienda Ochil, O-C-H-I-L, they'll give you a tour of the place and the food was absolutely amazing. I mean, it's, it is, it is. when I say it's like pork and chicken on tortillas, simple. You have the refried beans, you have the, the hot habanero sauce, you have um, just an, uh, the most authentic Mexican meal you will ever have. And I will tell you, my whole group, that uh, Hacienda Ochoa was the number one restaurant we went to and um, the group would agree. And we ended the trip in um, Puerto Morales Puerto Morales, a couple of the restaurants we went to have all gone out of business since then. There's been a lot of turnover in Puerto Morales. Um, And in Merida, there, um, again, we spent most of the time either eating in the hotel or on the streets.
1: Wow, awesome. Well, it sounds like an incredible place. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you at the end of the Panama segment. Um, Would you recommend going there in July? (laughs) (laughs) Or June. (laughs) Or June.
2: June and July, I would recommend because... um, You guys are diehards. Um, I don't necessarily know if everything's opened up yet down there, though. That's the only reason I would say wait. Um, June is a great time to go. It's not ungodly hot. July and August does get a little steamy at that point. Um, Again, I would push it into the September time frame. Um, But right now, I don't think they're up and operational yet completely. So you would miss out on a lot.
0: That'd probably be a good maybe early fall location.
2: Yes. And, you know, the reason I say you'd miss out on a lot is because You're not on a beach. So basically what you're going for is the city experience, the culture, the food, and you want to make sure everything's open. Um, The one thing I forgot to mention about the area, uh, about uh, 40 minutes north of where we are is the town or northwest is the town of Progresso. Progresso is, I believe, where the Big Bang happened. The meteor hit and killed all, you know, so there's a great history to that as well. So it killed all life and the dinosaurs and everything like that. So there's a great museum to that in Progreso. It's a beautiful beach on the, on the north tip of the Yucatan Peninsula. So you definitely want to throw a visit to Progresso in there.
1: Wow. Awesome. Well, Tom, we have uh, quickly ran through this hour and a little over it. Uh, that was a good conversation and, and really appreciate it. Uh, but we need to, to wrap it up now. Guys, did you have any final thoughts or anything you wanted to discuss?
3: I think we just need to get Tom back on, so we can talk a little bit about a few of the other places
1: that he's been to. We didn't get to. I think the same thing if he's open to it.
2: Um, absolutely. I'll you know what? I'll even promise you this. I'll even be a little bit better prepared with restaurant names next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Well, that that in combination of you know we're we're just coming out of this whole thing, right? And things are changing week to week especially month to month. So probably good just to kind of touch base in a little bit, just to see see what's new on, on your horizons and wh- what's opening up and what's good for us to travel and all of our listeners
1: to travel to. Absolutely. So.
2: I'd love to. It's what I do.
1: Awesome. 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 Well, Tom, thank you very much for, for joining the Friends of Carry On uh, podcast today. For our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. And as always, you can find us at com and all the social media is at Friends of Carry On. Uh, everyone, have a great week. Thank you. Thanks, Tom.
2: You got it, guys. Thanks again. Sorry for the delay. No Not worries. Not at
0: all. No worries. See you guys next week. Yep. All
2: right. Take care.
0: Be sure to join the Friends next week for another great discussion. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. You can also find the Friends and other content at www.friendsatcarryon.com. Or check us out on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook by searching Friends at Carry On. Thanks again for joining us and don't forget to carry on, friends.